Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividends so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. This is actually the last episode where one-on-one before our Christmas series. Uno on Uno. Confusingly, we actually did our 2019 wrap at the start of December and we've already released it. Confusing. We had grand plans for this valuation episode, which didn't eventuate, but that's all right. We'll get stuck into it. We'll introduce some concepts this side of Christmas. That's so fine. We're fast and loose. Give people a month or two to really stew on the concepts, write some thoughts down, really think about it, put them into work. We touch on them in our Christmas summer series. So you can really think about how you apply them, although so many of the companies that we <laughs> got killed for the summer series weren't exactly conducive. But anyway, that's a little uh, teaser for what comes next. Yeah. But we're going to introduce valuation in this episode. Certainly are. And then we might build on it in the new year. Absolutely. So also, Ren, in a week's time, we're going to be releasing Get Started Investing 12-part series on all the fundamentals that you need to get started on your investing journey. Now, if you have some mates who are looking to get started investing, not really sure where to start and you can't really convince them to do so, then get them to sign up to this podcast. We'll be releasing it in a week's time and it will be perfect for the the summer break. So get on that. It'll be in your podcast feed, Get Started Investing. Also, equitymates.com forward slash shop to grab an Equity Mates t-shirt just in time for Christmas. If you're struggling for a Kris Kringle secret Santa idea, there is nothing better than an Equity Mates t-shirt. Men's and women's sizes available. So head on over there and check it out. But to Ren's point, this will be our sign-off episode until we're back probably late January, around the 27th of Jan, we'll be back. After Bryce's big Australia Day blowout that he does every year. <laughs> yep, uh, at your house, Ren. I haven't told you yet, but that's what's happening. No, nah, change the date. <laughs> oh, damn it. Ah, oh, interesting. <laughs> Smart. Um, so yeah, we've got three awesome interviews lined up over the next couple of weeks and then leading into Christmas, we're going to be doing a shallow dive on 10 companies that have been suggested by our Equity Mates community. We had 180 to choose from. I specifically told Bryce he wasn't allowed to waffle during our summer episodes. <laughs> People are going to be hanging out by the pool, singing yes. a couple of beers. They don't want to hear a deep uh, diatribe on these companies. They want it short, sharp and punchy. And don't you worry, that's what we gave them. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I don't think was mentioned there, the actual date of Get Started Investing release. Is going to be the 16th. 16th of December, yes. mo- a Monday, start the last week before Christmas, right? Listen to the episodes, rate, review and subscribe, really pump us up in the charts and then go into Christmas with a good financial mindset, ready to make 2020 the year that you get on top of your finances. Yes. So as you said at the start of the show, Ren, this episode is all about valuation, something that a lot of our listeners have been asking us to do a bit of a shallow dive on as well. So... We're going to do an overview of the key valuation methods and then have a a look at a couple of them in a little bit more detail. And to Ren's point, getting your head around this will be great because we do talk about this a lot in our summer series where we try and have a crack at valuing 
some of the companies within that series. And there are a few methods and techniques that we are going to discuss today that we use in those episodes. So crack in, Ren, valuation. Let's do it. So to start with at a very high level, I guess when people talk about valuation, there's sometimes a few different things that they can mean. So to start with, there's probably three types of value that is discussed. The first one is enterprise value, and you sometimes see that shortened to EV. Yep. What that refers to is the value of the company's net operating assets. It's essentially the value of the company if you were to buy it um, you know, as a private equity buyer or something like that. Does it include debt? It does. It does. So that's why it's net operating assets. So if the company has a whole bunch of cash, you subtract that from the value because if you buy it, you get that cash. Similarly, if the company's got debt, you add that to the value because you then are responsible for the debt. So that's one. Um, Let's not focus on these too much because I'm just introducing the different concepts. So enterprise value, sometimes you'll hear. Book value is uh, the total assets minus the liabilities of a company. It refers to essentially the liquidation value of a company. So if a company went bankrupt and it had to sell everything to return money to shareholders, that's the value at which it would be valued. Yeah. So how that's calculated is you take the total value of the assets and what you'd get if you sold them, and then you paid off all the debt with that money, and then whatever's left over is the book value. So those are two uses of the term value that we're not really focusing on today. The third way that people talk about value is market value. And that's the value that the market gives the company. And there are a few different ways that's achieved, and that, but that's what we're going to talk about today. How you value a company, what's a company's market value, the fair value it gets in the market, aka other people have call it the intrinsic value of a company. So, Ren, one of the things with valuation, especially around market valuation, and this is where I guess you know we can come unstuck sometimes, is... Are we working towards a valuation for a particular number or are we working towards a valuation that is more representative of where it sits relative to the market? It's a good question and the answer is you can do both. I think what I always got stuck on was the need to come to an exact number. Yeah, agreed. I think when you hit a number, it's always a range and because the the assumptions that you put in, the growth rate, all that stuff will play with the number. So essentially what you want to do is build in a margin of safety and either put really conservative assumptions in or just treat the number as a guide, really. So, yeah, to that point, absolute valuation is then where you're trying to come to a a number figure, Yep. the actual value of the company. Yeah. But I think what you and I have both understood, even from speaking to some of the expert investors over the last few days, is that even they don't necessarily come to an absolute value. They're more concerned about its relative value and then have a whole bunch of other, even qualitative aspects that they look at to help them come up with the decision. So I think the first thing to start with is to caveat this with, whilst we'll be talking about you know discounted cash flow and stuff that come to a, a number, don't let that put you off if uh, it sounds a bit confusing because there are multiple ways of valuing. Yeah, 100%. And look, if you're going to hold for the long term and you think it's a company that can take money that it earns every year, reinvest it in the business and grow its business every year, the difference of, you know, two to three percent of the purchase price yeah. isn't going to make a difference in the long term. Yeah. 
So let's start with relative valuation. Yes. Because that's a little bit more straightforward. And this is where you are not trying to get to an absolute number. You're not trying to say this company is worth X or this company is worth Y. But what you're trying to say is this company is expensive relative to other companies in its sector or in its market or it's cheap relative to other sectors in its market. So you don't need to do too much complex maths. No. Um, in some instances, you don't have to do any. No. <laughs> it's given to just you. Just compare it. Yeah. And yeah, we're, what we're talking about here is there are some key metrics that a lot of people are probably aware of, but if they're not, the main one is price to earnings. Yeah, so PE you, ratio. Yeah. There's, there's variations of it enterprise value to earnings before interest and tax and stuff like that that are also used but they're all fundamentally what's the relationship between the purchase price and the profitability of the company an easy thing to do with price to earnings in its in its own right looking at the the PE ratio on its own you might not have any idea of what that actually means. If the, if the price to earnings is eight, if it's 29, do you really know where that sits? Hard to tell. So what you, you really need to do is look at the price to earnings, earnings ratio relative to its competitors in the industry and also to the market. For an example, if you take company A, its price to earnings is eight, in uh, its industry is sitting at 15, then you can make the assumption that it's uh, a little bit cheaper than the going rate at, the, at that point in time for, the, for its industry, as an example. So that's something to think about when it comes to price to earnings, always compare. Yes, yeah. And there are some other metrics that you can use that do serve a similar function. Um, so price to sales, which compares the purchase price to the amount of revenue the company makes, or price to book, which compares the purchase price to the assets of the company. So they're all sort of shorthand ways that you can compare the purchase price, the price that you're paying, and how that compares relatively to other companies that you could buy in the same industry or in the same market. So that's relative valuation. Pretty straightforward, yeah. And to find those metrics there on all your major financial sort of information platforms, uh, your brokers online, wherever you go to find that sort of information, all those metrics are there. You don't have to do any maths, so don't freak out. Yeah, yeah. Right, so let's move on to the absolute REN, which is the discounted cash flow. Let's start a little bit broader than that. So, look, there, there are a number of different models that people use to value a stock. Some of the ones that we're not going to talk about today are the residual income model, the dividend discount model, the capital asset pricing model. There's a bunch out there that people can learn about if they want to. And they're all essentially trying to do the same thing, really. You are trying to understand the the value that the business is creating, and then what you should pay for that value today. There are two that we want to spend a bit of time on. The first one, as you mentioned, was the discount cash flow. That's probably the most common. And then secondly, there's one that we came across in Roger Montgomery's book, Valueable. Roger Montgomery's a big Australian investor and it's a neat valuation method. doesn't have a label, which makes it a little bit more difficult, but we'll get to that. So the first one, discount cash flow. DCF. DCF. Uh, in essence, all you're trying to do here is understand the amount of cash that the business is going to generate and then value that cash. As of today. As of today. Yes. yes. So the first step is to figure out how much cash the business is going to generate. And so you know what it generated 
in the last financial year or how it, whenever it last reported. You can look at free cash flow numbers. They uh, The company reports that in its annual report. That'll be on Yahoo Finance. That'll be wherever good financial information is sold. And so that's step one. What's the company generated in terms of cash? And then what is that going to look like going forward? You can really forecast growth based on history. So if a company continually grows at 15% a year, you can say, I think that trend will continue and it will continue to grow at 15% a year. Or you can do some work or build some assumptions into what its growth rate is going to be going forward. To your point, that word you just used there, Ren, assumptions, this model is based a lot on assumptions. Very much so. And so when we're talking about forecasting cash flow over the next X amount of years, don't feel like that number is obviously written in stone number. You absolutely need to make an assumption of what that number is going to be. And this is where I guess fund managers get paid and because it's up to them to come up with assumptions that are probably the more realistic than not. And you can spend hours and hours and hours and hours coming up with uh, reasons to justify your assumptions. So yeah, don't feel like that you need to have an exact number on these things. It's all assumption based. Yeah. Look, if you're not confident with what you think the company is going to grow, build a margin of safety. You know, if you're like, oh, I think it might be 8% a year over the next 10 years, call it 5%. Chuck a margin of safety in there. Like there's no, there's nothing wrong with being conservative. So anyway, the first step is to understand how much cash the business will generate. And then the second step is asking what's the value of that cash? Because a dollar that we have today is worth more than a dollar that we have in five years. The reason for that is if we have a dollar for that today, we can do something with that dollar. We can invest it, we can save it and earn interest on it, and we can make it worth more in five years. Whereas if we earn a dollar in five years, it's just a dollar. Some of that value may have even been inflated away. And that's where this DCF comes into play. Yes. So you understand the cash that the business has generated this year and you forecast what it's going to generate in future years. And then because the value of money now is more than the money money later, you then have to discount the money that is earned in later years. And you essentially say, it's not worth as much, so discount it. And when you say discount, Ren, what you're referring to is what alternative investments are there out there? And that's where you get your discount rate. Yes. So, because the value of money now is worth more than money earned in the future, you discount the money earned in the future so it's not valued at its full dollar amount. You don't need to worry too much about the technicalities of this because we're going to give you what you should use as a discount rate. A lot of people will use a lot of different things, but both Warren Buffett and Roger Montgomery have said that 10% is what you should use um, and they've made a lot more money than us and have made a lot more investments than us and I have no reason to argue with them. So use 10% as your discount rate and then the best thing about this all is that you don't have to do the maths. There's online calculators. You can do it in Excel if you want to, but don't because you can use an online calculator. So you put those numbers in, you put the current earnings, you put the projected future growth rate, you put the discount rate, 
Some calculators will also ask for a terminal growth rate. All that is, is after the initial period of growth that you forecast, what will happen to the company? And you can really just set that at inflation. You can just say it'll continue to grow at 3% a year. Put that all in, hit calculate, and it will give you, it will spit out an exact number. Now, we've just stepped through so many assumptions there. Yeah. What's the discount rate? What's the growth rate? How many years is it going to grow at that? Terminal rate. What's the terminal rate? Like, uh, there are so many assumptions built in there. And businesses are rarely linear as well. It's not like you grow at 15% a year every year. You know, some years you have great sales, other years you lose money, whatever it is. Like, it is just an oversimplification of the process. But it is a way to get a number. But that number just needs to be a guide. Absolutely. Do not take it as gospel that if it comes below the current trading price, then you've found an absolute bargain. To your point, Ren, every single input there is an assumption. You're not to know if it's going to become true or not. So just be wary of what you're putting in. Have a margin of safety and just use it as a way of exploring how these, I guess it's just the dynamic between these things work because who's to say that a company after 10 years is going to revert to inflation, growing at the speed of inflation. You know, 10-year growth rate might not even be the right sort of growth rate to be looking at. It's just one of those things. And you can massage the numbers and the output of the discounted cash flow to fit almost any number that you're looking for. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be wary. The reason that you put inflation after 10 years is because projecting it is just too hard. Way too like hard. It's, yeah. Even projecting 10 years is too hard. Yeah. So that's a discounted cash flow. There's an inverse of that. It's called a reverse DCF. And essentially what it does is it says, rather than you putting the growth rate in, you know what the share price is because the market's telling you what the share price is. Um, and it will say, based on your discount rate, this is the growth rate that the company needs to hit to justify its current share price. And we unpack this a little bit in some of our summer series episodes, but essentially the reverse DCF may say the company needs to grow at 30% a year to justify the current share price. And you can say, well, given this company, what I think about it, what I think about its future prospects, I think 30% a year is unrealistic and therefore it's the market probably has too high expectations for the company and it's probably too expensive. Again, it's just a range, but that's discounted cash flow and reverse DCF. The great thing is there are online calculators for all of this. So you just need to know what inputs are and how you get those inputs. And a lot of them are just really your work and your assumptions. A good one is Guru Focus. Head to Google and type in Guru Focus DCF calculator. That's one that we like to use. So check it out. Sign up for the free trial. They're expensive. So you probably aren't going to sign up. We just use the trial but they're uh, they're a good one but yeah there's plenty out there there's plenty of free ones the the math is all the same so that's the first valuation model to get an exact number the the second one is in um from roger montgomery who is a a notable australian investor and he wrote a book value.able which i will highly recommend yeah um, i haven't read it it's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. And he he has an intrinsic value calculation, which I thought, which I quite liked because it was just clean and neat. Unfortunately, it does require buying the book and you'll, exp- you'll understand why in a second. So good sales pitch by him. <laughs> but essentially the underlying logic of his valuation method. So if the first method was around what's the present value of future cash flows, that's what you're asking when you're doing a discounted cash flow valuation. With Roger Montgomery, he's essentially asking what's the 
book value of a company currently and how is the company going to be able to grow that and what's that going to be worth and so essentially all you need to do is you take the book value of the company now and as we spoke about earlier in this episode the book value is really the total assets less the total liabilities it's what you get if you liquidate the company today so you've got the book value and you've got the return on equity and with the return on equity you then well, you'll also have the earnings. You can get that in the same place that you get those two metrics. With those three numbers, the, the profit that the company made, its return on equity and its book value, you then go to the multiplication table and it's just an exercise of putting your numbers in and seeing what it tells you to multiply it by and it will generate a intrinsic value. Interesting. So we might put a copy of that table online if we can, because it's pretty integral to understanding Just get the, book. the output if you don't want to buy the book. <laughs> we'll try and get it up somehow so that uh, we can understand fully what Ren's talking about, because without that table, it's uh, a bit difficult to actually, unless, I mean, it's not his sort of his own method, is it? I'm sure you could find that table somewhere online. So The reason that it's worth reading the chapter is there's two tables, one based on if the company pays out all of its earnings in dividends, the other if it retains its earnings. It's worth just reading the chapter to understand how he thinks about those different things. And then conceptually, it makes a lot more sense when you read through the worked examples that he's got there. There's a whole bunch in the chapter, JB Hi-Fi, a few other companies, including a company that Buffett bought, a railroad that he bought. I know if we just put the tables up, I feel like they wouldn't add as much value as they would need to. No, I agree, Ren. Uh, read the chapter if you get the opportunity to. Otherwise, yeah, you probably know. Can you Google it, Ren? No, I don't think so. Okay, so, so it's specific it. to the book. Yeah, well, no, there's another book that it comes from, but I couldn't find that other book. If you don't want to read the book, conceptually, all it is asking is what's the current net value of the company's assets and what will that grow to and what's the value of that in the future? But yeah, I think it's worth spending the time to do the work. All right. Well, we'll at least make sure that the book is up online in these show notes so that if people do want to buy the book, they can do so. Is it available? Yeah, it's available. Or is it a limited edition that Roger's written <laughs> personally for you? Well, if it is, then I'll sell it to the highest bidder. <laughs> nice, Ren. Well, at least uh, discounted cash flow is something that anyone can jump online and have a crack at. There's multiple calculators out there that you can have a go. Likewise, with the reverse discount cash flow, as we said, Guru Focus is a great website to have a look at that because it does both of those for you. As we said at the start of the show, we discuss these throughout our summer series. So try and get your head around them if you can. Just have a crack at some worked examples because it's not something that you can just understand overnight. And yeah, there's a lot of assumptions that you can start building in. And it's another great way to think about your investments. So hopefully we were able to shine some light on two of the ways in which you can get an absolute value for a company. As we also said, using price to earnings, price to book or price to sales is another way of getting a relative measure of the company's value against perhaps its peers or, or the more broadly the market. So you can have a look at those as well. So anything else from you, Ren? No, I think that's about it. Nice. Well, we'll wrap there. It's been an awesome year. Really have thoroughly enjoyed our journey of investing this year, Ren. We had a couple of live shows 
done our bold predictions. Looking forward to a bit of a break over the summer and coming back with some more bold predictions for FY well, F20, sorry, calendar 20. Maybe Trump will be impeached by then and I'll have another beer on the books from you. My <laughs> bold prediction is that Roger Montgomery is going to be a big fan of his <laughs> Christmas book sale spike. <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully we see some of it come our way. Oh, right? Hopefully we get him on the show as a result yeah, of it. Absolutely. Well, we'll leave it there. Everyone have an awesome Christmas and a happy new year. As I said, we've got three awesome interviews coming over the next couple of weeks and then we go into our summer series of oh, 10 stocks that have been suggested by the Equity Mates community. And we'll be back in late January. So we'll leave it there and talk in the new year, Ren. Sounds good. Equity Mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Equity Mates.